What's up, champs? Welcome to another episode of the Keeping Carlson Short Shifts Fantasy Hockey Podcast. I am your host, Ben Burnett. Joining me tonight, once again, my pal and yours, the talented Mr. E. Lewis Ezekiel. Lewis, my friend, how are you doing on this fine, fine Thursday evening? Doing good. You know, breathing a sigh of relief. I got through parent-teacher conferences yesterday or parent-student-teacher conferences. So voice is uh, maybe a little rough, but I think I rested it pretty good today and I'm, I'm ready to roll. We got some some real games to talk about here. Uh, well, let me let me ask you this question, Lewis, on the topic of uh, parent-teacher meetings. Uh, you have you have a couple of fantasy teams, I know, uh, this season. Who's uh, we're, we're very early on in the season, but whose parents would you be wanting to talk to to try and you know, stimulate a better performance. Who's who's who are you already upset with if they were one of your class classmates? Well, you know, or I think I would. Students. I might have to call up Mr. and Mrs. Matthews because mm-hmm. I I've noticed that their son has always been you know very um you know uh, very involved, always volunteering, lots of participation, and it just seems like ever since we got back for the new season, he's been a little more withdrawn. You know, I think he's putting in some effort there. You know, I saw some shots the other night, but just you know the 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 production is not there. Like his uh, when it comes to to test time, you know, all that right. practice, all of those attempts. It's not really going through. So, uh, yeah, Mr. and Mrs. Matthews might be getting a call from me pretty soon. Wow. This is the uh, this is why they pay us to come on a, a podcast twice a week and talk about fantasy hockey, because we bring in the, the inciting analysis from the world of teaching. Uh, Lewis, let's get into the show. Of course, we are hosting the Short Shifts podcast, twice weekly catch up on all the news in between the major uh, weekly episodes of Keeping Carlson, the ginormous Sunday night mother show. Uh, but Lewis, let's start with an injury to a player who I know is a, a predominant member of one of the uh, the Keeping Carlson hosts teams. Patrick Line left the season opener Wednesday night, halfway through the first with an elbow injury. He's now out for three to four weeks, which is Pretty big bummer for a player who put up a goal and two shots in just seven minutes of ice time last night. Uh, Once line I did go down, the Jackets kind of just hit the line blender most of the rest of the game, but they did have practice today. And it looks like Justin Danforth is the player who could be the benefactor here. Uh, He did join the top power play unit on two man advantages last night after line I left. And then he also skated on in line a spot on the other side of Johnny Gaudreau and Boone Jenner in practice today. Uh, Looking back to last year, which was Danforth's first, he was a rookie, uh, put up 10 goals and four assists in 45 games last year, shot about a a shot and a half per game, but he was also only playing 14 minutes. So in theory, last night he played 16 and a half minutes, if you're you're counting on a a few extra minutes a night. Presumably, maybe we could be talking about a guy who's going to shoot two uh, to get two shots a night while he while he skates on line one, uh, but has not doesn't have a track record of success. I guess is what I'm saying. Is this an interesting waiver wire option for you, or or do you think of this news as mainly just a bummer of a downgrade for the rest of the Jackets fantasy options? Yeah, I hate to say it, but I think I got to go with the latter option here. He just doesn't seem like a super interesting option for me. Like, this is not a situation where I think you just say, well, you know, the next best thing is going to be plugging in the guy who's replacing my injured player. I think there are guys that we're going to talk about later on in the show that I'd be much more interested in picking up than just trying to do like a one-for-one replace my line A with Justin Danforth. I mean, he could be worth worth a stab. 
Um, you know, if he, if he really is getting this power play one and, and line one treatment, you know, he's going to find his way into a point here and there, it seems like. But yeah, I don't see that as being like, uh, an especially attractive option when I think there's better guys on the wire. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I, I could see that. Justin Danforth doesn't excite me. That's, that's for sure. One guy that I think you could look at as a potential replacement. I know he's kind of a little known guy. He played over in Europe last season. Um, you know, uh, we haven't heard a lot from him, but he's really made an impact, uh, with his entrance into the NHL. I, you might have heard of this guy, David Krejci. Oh, uh, okay. I know that. John really has embraced him. I think his team name is Krejci Like a Fox, which is outstanding. Uh, you know, I'm obviously joking around here, but Krejci has come back to the Bruins uh, and really just had an outstanding return. He and um, David Pasternak just looked really, really, really great uh, in that first game. Uh, Krejci had a goal and two assists, including a power play point in almost 18 minutes in his return. Uh, you know, really seems like a great option out there. Only uh, rostered in 18% of Yahoo leagues. Uh, I would be way more interested in picking up Krejci than Justin Danforth, certainly, especially if the Bruins are going to play with the type of fire under them that we got to see last night. Yes, uh, it was a bit closer than I think the final score. There was a, a, a empty net goal. Uh, but yeah, definitely um, a, a great showing for that second line that ended last season so hot uh, between Krejci and, uh, well, I guess it was the the Hall-Pasternak connection that looked good. And it's uh, definitely they haven't lost a step replacing, uh, who was it there last year? Was it uh, was it Charlie Coyle or... Uh, or, yeah, yeah, it was you know one of those unexciting uh, Bruins. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's really nice to see Krejci start so hot, and I'm definitely uh, definitely interested after a three point season opener. Um, speaking of players, Lewis, that I am I'm much more excited about than I was uh, about a month ago when we were doing preseason shows. That's Andre Kuzmenko, a player that I kind of poo-pooed when I was on the show with Dave Betton of the Stream Scheme. Shouts out Cousin Dave. Um, now 39% rostered. And and what we saw last night is he is playing with, with Pedersen and Hoaglander, just like we expected, on what feels to me like kind of one of three top lines uh, that Bruce Boudreaux is running. It's a bit of a 1A, 1B, 1C situation over in Vancouver. Um but also, you know, when Brock Besser went down, it looked like, okay, this is a cool opportunity for Kuzmenko to sort of uh, maybe put up some extra points at the start of the season. But obviously, Br- Brock Besser is Brock Besser, uh, f- was on pace for 40 goals as a rookie, you know, that type of uh, a player that we we just sort of see as one of the the staples in, in Vancouver. And uh, Brock Besser was back for the season opener, and he did not take back his spot on the top power play. Andre Kuzmenko has supplanted him. Put up a power play goal, four shots last night in 18 minutes of action. If that's the case, if we're looking at a, a power play one Kuzmenko, I am going to have to walk back my preseason hesitation all the way back to the start because that is a that's a must add. I would say I would I would prefer him to Krejci and I would definitely prefer him to Justin Danforth. What do you think about that, Lewis? Yeah, so what stands out to me is the shots and the minutes. You know, when you're dealing with a 1A, 1B, 1C situation, as I think you described it well, you want somebody who is, you know, getting reasonable minutes, like above, you know, 17, I think is where you want to aim. And that power play one opportunity, I think, is going to make sure, you know, as long as he holds it, that he's going to be out there, um, you know, uh, getting some really productive minutes. I love that he took four shots. 
Um, I think that is really exciting. I am not surprised at all that of most of the people, you know, at least the people we're going to be talking about in the first half of the show, he is the most rostered. Uh, yeah, just, you know, a cool opportunity for him. I know there was some buzz for him at the start of the season and not everybody shared it, myself included. I was, I was leaning your way, uh, just because I don't love the idea of what that, you know, top nine kind of looks like. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah, that, that when you have that type of situation, I think having the top power play guys is going to help ensure, uh, that you're going to get the best opportunities and you're not going to have players who are on lines that are not going to see as many minutes or as much success. Um, so yeah, Kuzmenko put me down, uh, as, as definitely very interested. Um, I don't know that I necessarily like him more than Krejci, um, just because I do think that the Bruins are kind of going to be leaning on him, you know, because they have, you know, the opportunity to play him instead of a Charlie Coyle type. Um, so I feel very confident that Krejci will maintain his position, even if his position isn't necessarily as high flying as Kuzmenko's. Um, but, you know, Kuzmenko, obviously with winger eligibility, uh, and, and on a pretty nice top unit. So I like that for him while he's there. I like them about equally, but, you know, we're splitting hairs here. That's not a, that's not a major concern. I agree. Yeah. I, I could see, I, I wouldn't fight you over Krejci, uh, over that take. Good. I appreciate that because I don't want to fight you either, bud. Well, we are going to um, fight though. There's, there's going to be something. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's head over to Seattle, uh, who, you know, unfortunately for them gave up quite the comeback to the Ducks. Um, but there was another surprise there besides, uh, how Anaheim was able to come all the way back. And that was seeing Justin Schultz play 71% of Seattle's available power play minutes, uh, a whopping five minutes and 34 seconds overall. Uh, he notched two power play assists in that time. He also managed two shots and a block and about 20 total minutes of ice time. Uh, and he was out there with Beniers and Bjorkstrand. Uh, and the other two slots kind of flipped around. Sometimes it was McCann and Burakovsky. Sometimes it was Donato and Wenberg. Uh, you know, a lot of us were looking at Vince Dunn as the likely power play one quarterback. And, and he did manage a power play assist of his own, um, but in far fewer minutes. And if Seattle does keep things the way that they are right now, you know, with Schultz only 3% uh, owned on Yahoo, you know, this is a potential power play one QB that's available in an awful lot of leagues. Uh, I definitely think it's worth a shot. He could be kind of like Kalen Addison, who's had a lot of excitement about him as potentially being, um, you know, um, uh, Minnesota's power play one guy. Uh, certainly, you know, Schultz is not known for his offense the way that Addison supposedly is, but, you know, that's a nice opportunity. And he's got some really skilled players out there. We thought it was going to be more of a 50 50 split, but, um, you know, it definitely seemed tilted in favor of the Schultz, Beniers, Bjorkstrand. Uh, power play one. So uh, I love to to pull a lottery ticket like that to grab a guy early on in the season and just sort of see where it goes. Um, because that's the, you know, if he ends up holding onto that spot, that's a guy that you could be picking up for nothing at the start of the year. And he could be in your lineup all season long, potentially. Yeah, he reminds me of sort of like a, a Shane Ghost Despair type of bet, um, like like Ghost was last year, where it's like, you know you're not picking up a power play one guy on a team that's going to light the world on fire, but like he is a, if he holds that position, then it could be really interesting because, I mean, Matty Beniers, 11 points in 11 NHL games now, Bjorkstrand looked great last night, 
And uh, Lewis, I don't want to freak you out too bad, but uh, and I don't, I definitely don't want to step on cousin Dave's toes. But uh, Seattle may just have the league's first streamagami next week, so definitely a good time to have uh, some some valuable players off of Les Kraken. So I'm on board for that. Uh, I I would rather have him than Kalen Addison right now. Addison currently playing his first game of the season, pointless through the first period. But uh, hey. Slow start for Addison, but that's enough for me to just say, hey, I, I'd take the shot on Justin Schultz, and I would be just fine dropping Vince Dunn pretty much. I mean, if they didn't have the great schedule next week, but like in a in any league that's not deep, I'm probably dropping Vince Dunn. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think you – I could see holding him through next week depending on how many defensemen you have and if that's going to be a benefit to your overall schedule. Um, but, yeah, you know, if, if we see another game or two like this, I wouldn't have any problem dropping him down to the waiver wire. And then, of course, you know, you'll keep an eye on him and we'll update you if things start to, to change. And I like what you said about um, preferring Schultz to Addison. You know, Schultz obviously has been in the league for a while. You know, a veteran guy, he's probably going to end up playing, you know, five extra minutes of, of ice a night. So that's going to give him more opportunities to get those peripherals for you. Uh, I think I could definitely see preferring Schultz uh, to Addison potentially, you know, uh, with the caveat that we haven't seen him play a full game yet. So, you know, who knows what he looks like on that power play. But uh, I could definitely see, you know, if you're trying to make a drop. But I feel like there's so many injuries out there. Like lots of teams are just filling in a slot for somebody who, you know, went down, um, you know, a Jake DeBrusque, a Patrick Line. So, uh, yeah, you know, very, two very similarly in. rostered players right there. Well, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> sorry, just teasing. in my narcissistic way, I'm thinking about players that are injured in my particular matchup. So, you know, <laughs> of course, I should have top of mind. Guessed, yeah. Uh, Lewis, we have to talk about a couple of players who popped two power play goals in their season opener. But first, we're going to take a very quick break. You're listening to Short Shifts. Welcome back to Short Shifts. I am joined, of course, by my my best pal and co-host, Louis Ezekiel. Louis, we are going to Colorado next, where we have to talk about a couple of players who uh, are looking like they should be on pretty much every single fantasy roster right now. That's Valerie Nishushkin and Arturi Lekkinen. Uh, Nishushkin, nine, sorry, 77% rostered on Yahoo. Lekkinen, 59%. And uh, both Lekkonen and Nishushkin scored two power play goals apiece in the season opening blowout of the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, three points for Lekkonen all on the power play. He put up three shots and 19 minutes of ice time on that top line with Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen, as well as that power play one deployment. And for Nishushkin, it was two power play goals, five shots and 20 minutes of ice time. In addition to being on the top unit, also on a new look line two with Alex Newhook and Evan Rodriguez. Erod, as uh, as I think I That's made right. that one up, is is as I recall. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that was yeah canonically. Um, so at some point, obviously, Gabriel Landeskog is going to come back, and presumably one of these two will lose a power play spot. Uh, looking back on my my draft, I did draft Nashushkin fairly early, like round 10 maybe in Kukupful, because he'd already been good last year, and it seemed like he was in line for a deployment bump. 
Lekkonen went much, much later. And at this point, I, you know, as I said earlier, I think they're both must rostered. Uh, but I'm curious who you prefer here because I do kind of feel like I could go either way already. I mean, I think Nishushkin has the safer floor just based on being uh, reliable in fantasy last year. But if Lekkonen is going to get line one power play one for any stretch of time uh, past the Gabriel Landeskog return, I I would prefer to have him. Yeah, you know, I think you've got you've got the right idea here. And and it really sort of, I guess, depends on, you know, what you're looking for as you're picking these guys up, if they are, in fact, available in your league. I really like uh, Lekin and Spot, obviously, on that top line. But we also know that that time on the top is probably pretty limited because we're going to get uh, Landis Cog back eventually. Um, you know, so if you're looking more short term, if this is like an injury replacement, I think you go Lekkonen. I think there is a more conservative move to go with uh, Nishushkin just because even if he's not getting that top exposure uh, with Rantanen and McKinnon, you know, he'll still be up there um, on the top power play and is more likely to maintain that spot. Um, I'm also sort of low-key into Alex Newhook. Um, I kind of like him in that, you know, I don't think he's going to go off at the crazy rate that we saw from Kadri, especially because he's not going to have that top power play deployment. Um, but that's a guy that I am keeping an eye on because I do think that uh, Nishushkin and Rodriguez are pretty good as far as second line line mates go. Uh, and, you know, if teams are putting their, their best defensive lines out there against McKinnon, Ranton, and Lekkonen, you know, that might leave some options for the new hook Rodriguez Nishushkin line. So, yeah, I think the conservative move is go with Nishushkin because he's probably more likely to hold it. Uh, the short term, you know, high, uh, high reward move might be to go with Lekkonen. Yeah. I, yeah. And I think the main thing is just, don't leave either of them on your waiver wire unless right. you're you are the dominant team in a in a shallower league in which case i'm sure there are some difficult decisions to be made there um you figure but, those guys got to be held across the cupful right i doubt there's any league anybody who's listening who's playing cupful i doubt you're gonna be able to go to your waiver wire and grab them but if you're definitely in, not in a shoeskin but i would i would not be i wouldn't be shocked if there was one or two cupful divisions where lekkonen was not yeah, if, if maybe he gets dropped after the draft and nobody rushed to grab him or something. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, I want to talk about a guy who participated uh, in a big way in that major comeback we talked about as Anaheim took down Seattle in overtime. Uh, and one of the big fantasy beneficiaries was Ryan Strom. You know, we sort of had spent some time wondering in the offseason, you know, was this guy just an artifact of his superstar line mate? Um, but he really had an outstanding debut for the Ducks. He scored a power play goal, got two assists at even strength, and was on the ice for all four regulation goals before Troy Terry finished things in overtime off a sweet setup. I love when a goalie makes a stretch pass. John Gibson just, like, nailed that pass to Terry to put the game away. That was really fun to watch. Uh, at any rate... One thing that I really liked was that Strom's lines uh, with Terry and then either McTavish or Vitrano were the only Anaheim lines that were caved in on shot attempts for the Ducks. Uh, so it was nice to see, you know, him uh, when he was out on the ice, he was having a positive impact on the offense along with his line mates. Uh, you know, Zegras is the center to own for Anaheim, certainly. But if you missed out on him, Strom does look pretty appealing. And if he can help Troy Terry kind of recreate his early season success last year. I mean, he was just blowing the doors off of everybody uh, 
really exciting start, like the own of the start of last season. Uh, and if McTavish can continue to kind of display his skills, that's a good player to have on up there too. Uh, and you get that favorable Anaheim off night scheduling. So it kind of makes up for his center only eligibility. I've got him in a league where I have uh, four other center only players, but I feel like I'll still be able to play him pretty frequently because he has that off night eligibility. So definitely a guy I would be taking a look at only 16% owned uh, across Yahoo. Um, I would potentially look at him, you know, in the, in the same, you know, uh, tier as I might, well, maybe a little bit lower than Krejci and Kuzmenko. Um, but definitely a really interesting option if those guys have already been gobbled up in your league. Yeah, I would put him a, a tier above that group as well. Um, not a guy who I trust to be good all season i i feel like if um like we talked about a couple players after the Prague series um uh nino niederreiter as an example uh where it's like yeah really good start to the season uh not a guy who i'm expecting to and obviously strom has better deployment better opportunity but just in general i feel like uh i'm not gonna go wild off one game for for ryan strom and that's why i agree with you on on keeping him beneath the uh the guys who we're talking about as as people who you should be looking at in in deep leagues, they should be rostered in shallower leagues. Then that's when you're starting to make decisions of if they're better than than your lowest ranked players. Yeah, um, I was uh, talking to another manager in Cupful Tier One. I won't say who it was to blow up their spot, but we were you know talking about some possible trade ideas, uh, and you know we remarked you know uh, Strom might be one of those uh, players. This was called the Brian Com. Uh, uh, paradox or something like he he will often be good enough to be above replacement and will hang out on your roster and you'll probably hang on to him when he's below replacement level for a while but then you might miss out on somebody that you wish that you had so you know I think uh, I think he's like right there as someone who might deserve to be on your roster and I think the schedule kind of pushes him over the edge uh, as somebody that you're gonna be able to get in on a lot of those off nights I do think that in your position, you have too many centers regardless, and you should probably trade one anyway and hope that uh, hope that, that Strom value off the waiver wire is uh, gives you a little bit of a marginal gain and, and you can uh, apply your wealth of your, your value wealth elsewhere. Is yeah, well, we'll see. I'll, I'll keep you updated on the situation, certainly. Right. Uh, let's jump over to Carolina next, where I want to talk about my boy, Martin Marty Natchez. Just 12% rostered on Yahoo. Put up three points, a goal and two assists, playing 18 minutes on line two with Svechnikov and Jesperi Kotkaniemi on a second power play unit that included Andrei Svechnikov, not on the top unit last night. Uh, Kotkaniemi there as well, and joined by Stasny and Brett Pesci on that second power play unit. I kind of like Marty Natchez as a flyer in deep leagues right now. Like, obviously, a guy who is post-hype, which is kind of a, a position that I like to to make some gambles on. And, and so that, that might be what applies appeals to me here. But also wondering, um, wondering what you think about the fact that Andrei Svechnikov is not on the top power play unit. Instead, it looks like uh, the, the Canes prefer to have Andrei Kasha taking a spot next to Sebastian Ajo, Tevo Teravainen, and Seth Jarvis. So putting a lot at you here, we've got uh, we've got Natchez putting up big, big numbers in the first game of the season. We've got Svechnikov on line two, and we have a power play one, Andre Kasha. Lewis, what do you make of these three guys? 
Yeah. Uh, so I really think, um, you know, uh, Nate just makes for an interesting potential ad. You know, there's a lot of guys in here that I would put right around him. Um, yeah, I don't love, I mean, I love Kasha as a, you know, top PP guy just because I want the best for him and I feel bad because he is a guy who's been derailed by these injuries and especially these head injuries. Um, so, you know, I like that idea. Sveshnikov, it just like, how many seasons, I guess, are we going to be bit by this? You know, it's almost like getting to Nikolai Ehlers levels here. And eventually, I'm sure he's going to be a top power play guy for him. But it's like, when, dude? When is this going to happen? Well, he was last year. Right, right. But, you know, I guess not consistently, though, right? Like people were complaining that, you know, he's getting moved down, moved around, moved away from some of the other, you know, valuable pieces there. He just seems like a guy that the coaches value as somebody who can be kind of a Swiss Army knife and can fulfill multiple roles. And that's great for a real life hockey team. And it's not so nice for for being a fantasy owner. Um, I'm not into Stastny. Uh, you know, I... I you know, understand that he has got some, uh, you know, potentially nice deployment here, but he just is kind of a, a boring guy to me. So, you know, I think that, you know, yes, he got some, you know, as you said, he got some good run with these units, but I, I just don't, I have a hard time seeing him as being particularly interesting. If he proves me wrong, great. So maybe someone to put on a watch list, but, you know, stay the course with Sveshnikov. He's very skilled. He's going to get you peripherals too. So I think he'll be okay. And then just hope that eventually we see, you know, uh, not to, I hate to do this, but it seems very possible that there could be, you know, a space open up uh, for injury potentially some point down the road. You know, he'll get his chances up on that top PP. Yeah, I would be real. Like, I think the issue with Sveshnikov is less that he never gets top deployment and more that rod brindamore is obsessed with uh somebody bought rod brindamore the the greatest blender in the world for christmas last year and he's very committed to maintaining his blendering habits because he uh he loves to he loves to mess around in game uh between games the man is uh he's a blender holic yeah and, if you've got uh, it you got to use it you know you got to use it and uh svechnikov i think is one of those players who interestingly enough i think like is somebody who usually I would expect to be drafted way above where he should go based on hype possibility, but instead he tends to go like kind of where he, where we expect him like at a reasonable level. And so there's always a little bit of, I I drafted him last year for the same reason you draft him for where he's like, what his value is, maybe a little, maybe a little bump up because you're hoping for that home run swing. And it, I, I'm not, even if it doesn't happen this year, I'm not giving up on Svechnikov kind of taking another step and becoming a, uh, becoming a superstar. That's yeah. I really, I really think he's like the, the, the Carolina Ehlers, not necessarily in style of play, but just in sort of like, it's, you know, it's his deployment has sort of been, been, um, a halting in terms of where he's getting it. And it's been a little inconsistent. And I agree with you. Like, He's being drafted somewhere right between kind of his his ceiling potential, but also that uh, uncertainty about where he's going to be used. Sham says in the chat he drafted him 29th overall. I would say that's a little a little high. Yeah, that to me, I, I saw him going in the the lower 30s this year in a lot of drafts, and I thought that that was a pretty reasonable spot. 29, you're definitely uh, you're paying for you're paying a bit of a premium to get in on the the potential home run swing and hey that that could pay off we are one game in i'm definitely not counting svechnikov uh 
have it taking that step this year. Just uh, not immediately amazing returns. Uh, I guess to go back to Natchez, there's a player who I'm 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 willing to take a shot on just to see if uh, he can sort of regain the hype that we had for him two years ago. Uh, you know, if you need a, if you have a few empty roster spots or a few streamers, I think that that's a pretty reasonable hold for now and, and see how he plays over the next five games or so. Uh, Lewis, why don't you take us to our next player? All right. Our next and final guy we're going to talk about, uh, is an old favorite of mine. And that is Joshy Anderson, 6% owned on Yahoo. Uh, right now he is riding as the third wheel with Caulfield and Suzuki, which really is the only line you really want to roster on the halves. Uh, especially when, you know, down the line, they're probably not going to be unleashing there. This is our Super Bowl level effort against their Toronto nemeses. Uh, it really reminds me of like, uh, uh, Michigan, Michigan State rivalry when oftentimes MSU has nothing to play for, but they play Michigan like it's a freaking knife fight in an alley. Uh, it just makes my eyes itch sometimes. Um, but yeah, Josh Anderson scored on his only shot. He put up two hits. He played a touch over 50% of the power play minutes. Uh, so he seems like a guy that you can grab if you're looking for someone on Montreal with exposure to these budding stars. Again, we're only one game in, so things could certainly change, but they gotta be happy. Uh, with the outcome against Toronto. So I imagine they'll run the same lines at least uh, for the next game or two. Uh, the only one red flag, though, is that uh, every Habs line was underwater in terms of shots on goal percentage. Uh, only the Dadanov line managed to break even. Uh, so last night's success may have been a bit of a mirage, even beyond just sort of Montreal punching above their weight in the opening game and against a rival. Um, but, you know, if there's anybody that I'm looking to pick up as a free agent from Montreal, Josh Anderson is the guy. He can put together the peripherals. He's known to shoot, even though he only had one shot in that last game. Uh, and, you know, you're not going to be able to pull a Caulfield or a Suzuki, uh, but you can pull their third wheel uh, for the time being. What about uh, what about Sean Mon- Shawnee Monty's uh, debut as a Hab? Put up a goal, play- playing on power play one as well. Uh, has a better history of of production. Does does Monahan interest you at all? Uh, I mean, yeah. I think a little bit. I don't love his his even strength deployment though. Like I love, I like that he's on the power play. Uh, and there was definitely somebody on Twitter. I wish I could remember who it was, but they were just like, you know, Monahan's going to score in this opener, right? Like definitely is going to happen. So they really nailed it. Um, I don't know. I think I think I would rather have the guy with Caulfield and Suzuki. I feel like Anderson can can score. Uh, similarly to Monahan, with their deployment being, you know, what it is. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind. Uh, Hoffman, Monahan, Doc could be pretty decent, and that's the only line that uh, that outshot the or out or outcoursed the Leafs. I guess there you go. The term I'll use. Um, kind of funny to see that top line on for five. Uh, the all five even strength goals last night. Three goals for, <laughs> two goals against. Um. I will say, like, in terms of looking at shot metrics in a one-game sample on the first night of the season, I'm not going to overreact to any of that. Uh, you know, it's um, way too soon to be worried about whether or not uh, whether or not the top line outshot the the heavy favorite. You know, it's I'm I think that he'll stay there regardless, uh, unless the team. Uh, sucks, and that is definitely a possibility. That just <laughs> yeah, let's not write that off possibility for sure. Uh, I will say though, one one name I'm gonna just I'm, I gotta throw it out there after he played ninety one percent of the power play time last night. Chris Weidman, power play superstar. 
literally 33% of his uh, minutes last night in the season opener were on the man advantage. Uh, he did nothing on the score sheet. One shot, two blocks. Okay, that's maybe that's not fair. Uh, and put up two pims if you're in a multi-cat. But if your league is very heavy on power play points or points in general, he wasn't the worst player, uh, the worst fantasy hold in the world uh, towards the end of last season. 10 points in his last 15 games, 17 in the last 36. I don't know. I don't know. I, I have to mention him because the, the opportunity is there. When you have a power play quarterback out there on the waiver wire, you've got to mention him because there's plenty of people rostering defensemen who don't have that same kind of power play opportunity. So, uh, you know, it can definitely be a worthwhile, uh, it could be worth taking a look at. Wait, one more note here. As Shams is noting in the chat, Mike Matheson expected to miss eight weeks with an abdominal muscle strain following the results of an MRI as well. So yeah, Chris Weidman about to get a, about to just be playing all situations. Chris Weidman, you heard it here first, uh, superstar stud. Well, yeah, so I was going to bring up Matheson too. Uh, and yes, yeah, so I think that's a really good point. I'm glad Shams mentioned him. And yeah, certainly he's he's going to be without kind of the specter of Matheson hanging over his shoulder. And it is really going to give him a chance to solidify the job if he can uh, be effective. All right, Lewis, that's all the time we have for tonight. We are venturing deep into long shift territory. Uh, Man, coach is going to have us, you know, doing... Yeah, uh, sprints afterwards. Elon's for... gonna send us on bag skates uh, after this, so we gotta go. We gotta get ready for uh, the rink. But I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to thank you for joining me, my friend. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to. Congrats on finishing the first week. I'm looking forward to hanging out with you again next week. All season long, bud. Thanks everybody for joining us. Uh, those of you who are listening on the pod or who joined us for the Twitch. Uh, please make sure to give us a follow at Short Shifts KK. Brian and Elon, of course, are at Keeping Carlson. Dave Betton of the Stream Scheme at NHL Stream Scheme. And you can follow the suite of game day accounts, game day lines, game day goalies, and at game day news uh, all put together uh, on the game day tweets website. Uh, John uh, Reed on the ones and twos for us, helping us make our Twitch look awesome. Uh, and visit the great sites where we research our episodes at Yahoo, Frozen Tools, Natural Stat Trick, and Cuckupful.com. Our intro and outro music was created by Pat Roach. And until we see you next time, play smart and keep your shifts short, unlike us.